What does maturity look like? I know the answer depends on whether we're talking about savings bonds, that tree in the backyard, the teenager in your house. (laughs) But what does maturity look like in terms of your faith in God? Well, welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. So Chris, let's talk about maturing faith. Uh, This is our last session in the study um, that we've been in in the Gospel of Luke, where we've looked at different passages of uh, of scriptures from Luke that, that talks about the significance and the importance of owning a faith that matters. And so we're going to to look at that together today. Uh, delighted to have Natasha Menifee with us today. Uh, Natasha is a content editor for you, and we'll talk about what that is in a minute. She has extensive experience as an educator and uh, has uh, served in her church uh, helping provide Christian education for for her church. So, uh, Natasha, great to have you with us. This is your first podcast with us, right? It is my first podcast. Thanks, Chris and Lynn, for having me. I'm looking forward to it. But this is not Natasha's first podcast because for the U Bible Study Curriculum, she has her own podcast that she does every week. That is correct. Uh, We have a weekly trainer's podcast designed to help leaders who are using LifeWay's uh, U Bible Study resource. And so, we go through each week and examine the Bible passage. We review some questions that teachers may encounter during class, and we close out with a practical teaching tip each week. So, yeah, That's great. Now, for those who may not be familiar with this, Bible Studies for Life, we have several resources. We have uh, for adults. We have one for uh, senior adults, and then there's the Daily Discipleship Guide. But we have a sister companion product, which doesn't carry the Bible Studies for Life umbrella over it. But the U curriculum, U Y O U curriculum, it uses the same studies, uses the same passages. Natasha sits in, we sit in so many of the same meetings as we discuss the studies together. But it's under its own heading. Uh, and the reason why we kind of gives us a little separate identity. Uh, what makes the U curriculum unique is that it is really geared for an urban church setting, in particular, an African American church setting. Uh, so, Natasha, anything you want to tell us about uh, your uh, about the curriculum? I think you hit the the nail on the head, Lynn. It is designed for that urban multicultural community um, to meet the needs um, um, and recognize the needs, first of all, uh, for people to learn and apply those biblical principles in their context of their homes, their churches, and those communities. So the goal is just to strengthen Christian teaching um, and learning right where people are in their community, in their churches, in their homes. So that is the the purpose and the design of the U product. One thing, Natasha, I like about your resource is it, in our world, we have those who love the personal study guide. Well, the U curriculum has a personal study guide element to it. We also have in our world those who like the daily discipleship guide. But the U curriculum also has a daily discipleship guide element. It's kind of all in there together, and it really fits together well. Yeah, it's a three-in-one. So there's the personal study guide component, the daily discipleship with the daily readings and devotionals, and the leader guide is also included as well. So all three elements in, in, one, uh, in one study guide. So if you're interested in looking at this, want to see its connection to Bible Studies for Life or just check it out, uh, just go to lifeway.com slash U, Y-O-U. 
So you started this, Lynn, by saying that we were talking about maturing faith and what does it look like. Uh, I found Matt Tullis, uh, who was our writer for the personal study guide and was with us for a couple of podcasts. Uh, he, he was talking about that rite of passage of uh, when, his, when his kids, he had four boys, um, were learning to drive and uh, talking about some of his experiences and laughing at himself for some of the things that that he said and did. Um, but I was wondering if you guys had some uh, experiences. And in fact, that's the question that we asked to kind of kick this thing off is uh, what, uh, what do you remember um, about that whole process of helping uh, to teach, teach your teenagers to drive? I'm in the throes of it now, Chris. Uh, so I have two uh, teenage daughters and uh, they are night and day and this driving experience has been no different. One has taken to it well, still has, I think she's overly confident in her skills, but uh, the other one, um, it's been a slower process and I think I'm about to uh, call the driving school and just handed the reins over to them and, uh, <laughs> and it'll be money well spent. <laughs> Yeah, Put the keys in their hands. Huh? <laughs> so when I was teaching our boys how to drive, um, I, I could identify with a lot of what Matt said. But a part of the reason was because I insisted that my kids know how to drive a five speed. I wanted them to know how to drive a car with a clutch. Um, and they all came back to me and thanked me at, afterwards. Two of my sons went to college in, in Birmingham, Alabama, and a part of their jobs were uh, as valets. And sometimes they were the only one uh, who could drive a car because people would get in and go, oh, but it's got a clutch. I don't know what to do with this. And, and one of my sons got to drive some really nice cars <laughs> because he had this skill and nobody else did. Um, Lynn, how about you? Uh, much like Natasha, my two sons, night and day difference in how uh, they, they approach driving. And which is interesting as we talk about maturing faith. Because all of us, our experiences as we grow in Christ, there, there can be a night and day difference. Uh, there's some areas, Natasha, in your life, you perhaps matured very quickly in your faith, which could be an area I'm struggling in, whereas there may be some areas in my faith that I've, I've progressed quite well in. You may, you're not there yet. Just, and that's okay, because we're all on our own journeys in our walk with Christ. Uh, but the thing is that we are maturing in our faith. So what we want to see in this last session about our faith is that faith matures as we humbly obey God. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17, uh, primarily some teaching of Jesus. Uh, but the first thing we're going to see in Matthew and Luke 17 is that mature faith forgives. Uh, Chris, uh, you want to set us up for uh, what we're about to read here? Well, in the gospel of Luke at the end of um, chapter 9, uh, Luke makes this statement that Jesus turned his face toward Jerusalem. And he's cluing us in that Jesus is at that stage where he recognizes, okay, that's, that's where I need to go. Uh, this is the time. Uh, uh, he understood that he was going to Jerusalem to suffer and die. Uh, and that this was uh, what God had sent him 
to do. He was fulfilling his purpose. So he turned his face toward Jerusalem. And along the journey, uh, there are phrases that remind us along the way that Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. And and we, because of our experience, know that, that that's why he's going. So when we come to Luke 17, this is what he says. He said to his, to his disciples, offenses will certainly come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, I'll confess that can be hard to do. Before we get into the forgiveness dynamic, I want us to to talk a little bit about um, what he leads with, uh, where he says, don't don't be guilty of causing one of these little ones to stumble. Um, in Matthew's gospel, the setup for this is Jesus uh, gathering children around him and, and blessing these little children and saying, woe to the person who would cause one of these little ones to stumble. It would be better that a millstone would be tied around his neck and be cast in the depths of the sea than to cause uh, harm to one of these um, innocent little ones. Uh, earlier uh, in this year, uh, I was addressing the, the issue of uh, clergy sexual abuse. I, I picked a nice, easy topic to talk to my church about. And I used that text and uh, to, to help my congregation understand this is how God feels about people who take advantage of little ones, uh, who, who, who abuse little ones. It would be better that a millstone was placed around their neck and, th- and, be, and then be thrown in the cat in, in the depths of the sea. Um, it is a strong statement and it's there for a reason. We need to hear this word and be reminded of it. And Luke, Luke talks, talks about it as well. There is a phrase here. He talks about this idea of stumbling. Don't, don't cause them to stumble. Uh, that's that word scandal on, which is where we get the word scandal. Um, this idea of a stumbling block or a scandal is something that it's, it's often, it could be like a cricket stick that was used to uh, bait an animal. But the second meaning has to do with anything that's going to trip somebody up. I think of both ways we look at that word can be applied here. Uh, that uh, that we're tripping someone up, we're baiting them, uh, we're causing harm to that individual. And as you pointed out, Chris, we're not to go down that road. Uh, but then he gets into this issue of forgiveness. To be on your guard, and we need to forgive. Even up to, as he says, even if he comes seven times in a day, keep forgiving. So it's hard. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's an important statement that Jesus makes here. Um, again, Matthew 18 has a, 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 a little more fuller telling of, of that, but, uh, it, it's that reminder that, um, g- the same God who loves us and has forgiven us again and again and again, uh, has this expectation of us that we would forgive others. Why, why do you think it's so difficult for us uh, to forgive and forgive and forgive. Sometimes the same person for the same offense over and over again. I think sometimes we feel like after the first time, okay, but after multiple times, um, 
there's an assumed intent that you're doing it, the person is offending us intentionally. Um, whether that's the case or not, we, we can't say, but there's um, there's that. And I think sometimes we, we have a hard time forgiving because we forget that forgiveness is not necessarily about the other person. Forgiveness is about us. It's a, it's a freedom for us as we uh, forgive others. And, um, but it also, it doesn't, I think people think it excuses the other person when we forgive them from their actions. So that's a difficult thing because I'm not trying to excuse the person or let them off the hook. I think, um, I think sometimes why this is a little more complicated when when we think about forgiving somebody multiple times, um, it's somebody usually pretty close to us. <laughs> so it's a spouse. It's a, it's a child. It's it's a it's a relative. It's somebody that we. It's a close friend. It's somebody that we know well, and uh, so I think that's why, you know, we we may know. Oh, they have this tendency. They they have these characteristics that's just like them to do that um and we know that but we still it's hard when it hurts us and we have to uh, over and over again say i forgive you I, i don't think we think enough about god's grace and how over and over again he forgives us of the same things that we do uh and 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 uh but i think you're right uh, also, Natasha, that uh, Jesus helps us to understand uh, it's it's what we do, and it's some a lot of times it's for our benefit <laughs> that we forgive. Peter said for in First Peter four, uh, he was talking about relationships within the in the body of Christ to maintain love for one another, and then he said as he's talking about maintaining love for one another because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, he's not talking about the sins that affect our relationship with God, but when those people who, in a sense, sin against us, but because we love them, we're going to forgive what they've done against us. Even as Christ has done for us, he forgives us because he loves us. And uh, and I think certainly for those of us as, as, as parents, as family members, we are much more willing to, we do forgive our spouses, our kids, because we love them. We, uh, we, it's not that we dismiss what they did, like, oh, it's no big deal, but we forgive out of love. But the principle, what Jesus is teaching us here is, is, you know, it's not a issue of just family members. Uh, if a brother comes to you and he repents, forgive. I'm convinced this is, this issue of forgiveness is one of the biggest problems in the church, uh, of unforgiveness, but I also think it's an issue because we grossly misunderstand what it means to forgive. Natasha, every time I have preached on forgiveness, someone comes up to me and says, yeah, but you don't understand what he did to me. Well, and I don't want to dismiss what happened, but it's as I like how you said it there just a moment ago, forgiveness, that freedom it brings to us, uh, it benefits us. Uh, But to forgive doesn't mean what they did was okay. Uh, to forgive doesn't mean like we uh, or that we even allow ourselves to be put be put back in that position again where we can be hurt again. But I'm gonna for I refuse to let this act against me uh, stay in my life. I refuse to let it define who I am now or even how I respond in the future. I, I think that's so true, um, Chris. You said great point. So did Lynn. Um, we forget about the freedom, the forgiveness that we freely get 
through Christ um, multiple times, not just at the point of salvation, but constantly. But we don't want to extend that to others. And it's it's the personal hurt. Again, like you said, Lynn, it's not that what happened wasn't real, wasn't devastating, but we have to trust God enough to allow him to let forgiveness work through us for our benefit. Um, we can walk around bitter because that can lead to bitterness, um, to just anger, things, and they'll manifest and fester. And it's only impacting us and can potentially impact our relationship with God and others if we um, if we don't address it and we don't deal with it because um, the other person could be going about their day and going on with their life and we're still stuck in unforgiveness and we don't have to be because Christ gives us a way out. Yes, and it does affect our relationship with God. This is the one when, in, in the model prayer where Jesus uh, gave us this uh, request to pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are trespassed against us. This is the one where he comes back and says, because if you don't forgive, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. And it's not that God is incapable of forgiving us. What I see in that is I, I am incapable of receiving forgiveness as long as I'm harboring unforgiveness in my heart. So I think that's why we come very clearly to saying we're talking about mature faith. A mature faith is one that forgives. We have learned how to forgive. Is there anything that's helped you become a more forgiving person over the years as you've matured? I think it's just that acknowledgement that um, God has been that gracious to me um, that uh, I, I need to extend that to others. Uh, Lynn, you mentioned uh, people saying, you, know, you don't know, and uh, I can never forgive. And and then the reference to uh, Matthew uh, 6, 14 and 15. Um, one of the things I say to people when we talk about forgiveness is, listen, this is one of those passages where it means exactly what it says. I, I am not going to explain this one away for you. God expects you to forgive just like he has forgiven you. We come to verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Well, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, the Lord said, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Now, we've been talking about this idea of mature faith, and mature faith is forgiving. And uh, they say, hey, we want that kind of faith. Increase our faith. And it's interesting how Jesus responds. Uh, faith the size of a mustard seed, you can act on that, and, and that see, it will obey you. My wife has a little jar in our uh, kitchen windowsill um, that has mustard seeds in it. And almost every week, our granddaughter will be at our house and she'll look at that and want to see those and want to know what that is. And it gives my wife the chance to tell a almost four-year-old over and over again that, that it just takes a little bit of faith. God, even something this small, uh, this is this is how much faith you need to have. Um, uh, in our uh, personal study guide, uh, we have a digging deeper element that describes increase our faith is, Lord, Give us a greater faith than we already have. Uh, give me just, a, and and the fact that Jesus really points out, it just takes a little little bit of faith. It, it doesn't take great faith. A minuscule amount of faith is enough to do amazing things. And I think our people need to be reminded of that in their faith development journey. 
Well, the issue is, it's not so much the amount of faith you have, which is, I guess, Jesus's point. It's act on what you have. Uh, and that's what a mature faith does. We, The one thing that Jesus has told us to do, however big or however small it may seem, act on it. When I have conversations with parents about their children coming to make a decision to follow Jesus, uh, I remind them of this passage. Uh, I take them to, to here to say, listen, it, it just takes the, even, even the faith of a little child, that's enough uh, for salvation to be a reality. And when I think about that mustard seed faith, um, as it relates to verse five, increase our faith, that's what it takes to function in forgiveness. Um, it, it takes knowing that on my own, I can't do it. And so I have to be willing to acknowledge that, you know, Lord, I want to forgive, but I don't know how, or I'm having a hard time with it. But believing that if you take that to him, he will help you with, he'll help you through it and help you to be able to do it. And it only takes a little bit of faith. It takes a little bit of faith and, and a lot of honesty with God um, in order to, to start moving in forgiveness. There is a story that Corey Ten Boone tells in one of her books, and it's a story that we have shared in Bible studies for life in the past about uh, after after the war, after she is released from the concentration camp, she's speaking in a church, and there in the congregation, she recognizes as one of the, the soldiers, one of the guards at her concentration camp. And when she sees him, the flood of memories that come back of the way he treated them and the humiliation they felt uh, in his presence. Yet at the close of the service, he came up to her, thanking her for what she said. Obviously, he was a believer now, and he asked for her forgiveness. And in this moment, Corey Timboon, as she writes, is describing how, how hard that was. But she says, Lord, I can't do this, but I, I, I can raise my hand. I can't do that much to shake his hand. And that simple act of doing that, that obedience, I can, okay, I can do that. The forgiveness came, but it came with a simple, I can, I can do this much acting on what she knew she could do, what God had told her to do. Uh, again, led to, led to a greater, greater experience. And that's what it means for us. We just act on what we, God has told us to do. So one of the questions we ask um, in the personal study guide is, uh, what are some ways God has increased your faith on your spiritual journey? So the hope is, uh, thinking about mature faith uh, and this idea of increase my my Lord, increase our faith. Uh, what, how has God done that? What are some ways he has helped you to grow and, and mature on your faith journey? Hopefully that will cause some people to have some conversations and talk about some of their own experiences. Sure. And I'll tell you, this is, I think, one advantage of Bible study groups that have a wide range of ages in them. Now, I, I love young adult Bible studies. I've led those classes before, senior adult Bible studies. I, I love those. But when we're all in the room together, the younger Christians, the younger adults, can hear the life experiences of the older ones. Those uh, those of us who've reached a certain age, we would think of that passage in the Psalms where it says, I was young, but now I was old. Now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. That idea that I've been on this long journey, and my long journey is a witness and an encouragement to others to see, yeah, you can do this too. 
Mike's as a younger adult, those are things that helped increase my faith to hear from older adults. Absolutely. I would agree with that. I think we, we learn from one another. Um, they've walked the path that many of us haven't yet walked. And so we, we hear that. So we know it's possible. It is possible. We ask, well, how did you do that? How were you able to forgive? And so when we hear those, those stories of the matured faith that's come along the way, it's um, encouraging and helpful and hopeful for us to be able to to say, okay, then it is possible when you hear stories of someone going through trials that you wouldn't think that people would be able to forgive another person for that offense. And they tell you that they've done it, not only that they've done it, but they share how they've done it. I think those are those are the best uh, learning environments um, that we have. About 12, 15 years ago, when I was a younger man, uh, I taught a group of senior adults for a short period of time. And I discovered that if we ask these kind of questions, this, this kind of put it out there, that the, uh, they taught the class by talking about their experiences in life. Um, so if we're deliberate in how we ask questions that uh, help, and we try to do that with Bible Studies for Life. You guys are both involved in uh, our uh, discussion question uh, development uh meetings where where we try to create questions that will cause people to have a conversation and talk about their experiences um, and our hope is that if you if you just deal with these five questions uh this this will pretty much teach the the, the bible study lesson for you okay so we've seen that mature faith is one that forgives mature faith is a faith that acts let's also look at the idea that mature faith does not seek recognition we come to verse seven Jesus continues to speak. Which one of you, having a servant tending sheep or plowing, will say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? Instead, will he not tell him, prepare something for me to eat, get ready and serve me while I eat and drink? Later, you can eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did what was commanded? But in the same way, when you have done all that you were commanded, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Let me say here, so you guys know uh, that we actually worked to develop these lessons uh, several months ago so that they could go to the printer to be available for people uh, at, at this time. Um, but this, this passage has been one of the most meaningful ones to me um, that, that has continually been in front of me and reminded me that uh, that needs to be my response as a Christian. Lord, I am just an unworthy servant. I'm just doing my responsibility. I'm just doing my duty. Uh, and and I, I just can't tell you the number of times that, that, that this verse has come to my mind over the past six months. So I'm grateful that we've taken time to look at this passage. Well, this has been a great session. I think it's been a great study as we talk about learning about just owning a faith, uh, but not just any faith, a faith grounded in Christ, and that's the kind of faith that matters. Uh, one of the statements that we have in our study is that um, in Eastern culture, uh, uh, the, for the servant, everything revolved around pleasing the master of the house. 
that that's they understood that that was their responsibility uh, to please the master. And um, uh, it's not about being recognized for what we do or receiving awards or uh, uh, anything like that. It's just about being faithful to the task. Well said. Thank you for being a part of our conversation as we look at this passage on maturing faith. We are wrapping up our study today on this study of owning a faith that matters. But next week, we're starting a brand new study, and it's called It's All About Jesus. Now, we have been in the Gospel of Luke for the past six weeks. Well, guess what? We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke for this next six-week study as we look about uh all about Jesus. As we look at what it tells us about his ministry, certainly his death, his resurrection, the mission he had, the mission he gives us to do, all that is a part of this study. And let me encourage you to, uh, with this study, to encourage other people to get involved. Every time a new study starts is a great time to bring some new people into the Bible study group. A lot of people are hesitant to join a group because they feel like, it. well, they've been together a while. They're already into the study. But with the start of a new study, invite them. Hey, come be a part of this. We provide you a promotional video that you can share with them. It's all of 60 seconds long, and you'll find it on our, our, our website, BibleStudiesForLife.com slash Adult Extra. There's a video there that uh, uh, you can use. You're free to disseminate that any way you want to. Put it on your social media page. Uh, if uh, you have group email that you send, email it to them. And then encourage them to share that with others as well. To use this it's a great way to invite people to be a part of a Bible study group. Natasha, thank you for joining Chris and I for this conversation. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And we hope all of you have a great Bible study this week.